Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number three of our broadcast. Welcome back. I'm Bill Shanks. Thanks very much for being with us. Russ Brown here as well, of course. We are talking sports and we are taking your phone calls. Area code 478-646-3776. Russ will be sitting in for me in the big chair tomorrow as I'll be taking the day off. And a little appointment that I have to deal with. So we'll be doing that and appreciate Russ doing that. Um, our phone lines are open four seven eight six four six ESPN. I just looked, Russ, uh, for I wanted to go back and look at the defense the year the Falcons went to the Super Bowl and uh, see kind of where everything was then. They had Vic Beasley, of course, with the year of his life. He had fifteen and a half sacks. A tremendous year, there's no question about it. Can't even argue. That was a great year for Vic Beasley. He did a great job. You had uh, Derek Shelby. I want to look at him. Derek Shelby. Well, no, he, he got hurt that year. That's right. He got hurt that year. He only made four starts, six, six games, four starts. Rasheed Hageman. I'm looking on this, this uh, website here. He had 12 games played, four starts. Grady Jarrett was in his second year. He had 16 games, 14 starts. And Dwight Freeney, he had only one start, I believe. We find his, yeah, 15 games and one start. Now, that that's a, an example, Russ, of someone they brought in who was 36 years old that year. He had had a tremendous career. He's, is he in the Hall of Fame already? I mean, he may be a Hall of Fame player, right? He's a great, great player for Indianapolis, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, I, I think he is. I think he's already in. Yep, Hall of Fame. Nope, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. Three-time okay. All-Pro, one-time Super Bowl champ, seven-time Pro Bowler, and it um, uh, does not mention that he was only with Atlanta for one year. But there were rumors, what, for three years in a row, he was going to come to the Falcons, right? Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And he finally came, and he had a, a good year, 15 games, one start. But that's the kind of veteran rotational guy on the edge that I think they need now, Russ. That I mean, look, Freeney was there with Claiborne, who had a very good year that year. He had um, – uh, I can't see these names here on this chart here. Uh, Adrian Claiborne. He had a decent year, I thought. Yeah, 13 games, seven starts. And he had been at Dallas, I think, before. They had that Brooks Reed kid that uh, was a free agent signing that was a Dan Quinn special. We never really bought into that because he had he had played linebacker in Buffalo, wasn't it, Russ, I believe? Yep, And they tried right. to make him a defensive end, and he never really clicked with that. They brought in Tyson Jackson, and that was kind of another veteran that they brought in um, who had been with Kansas City, and he had a couple of decent seasons for Atlanta. Well, he was 27 when they brought him in, so but that was a, that was a pretty big deal if I remember correctly. So they had a pretty good mix 
of of uh, guys on that line. That was a lot of depth. Babineau was still on that team um, toward the end, obviously, of his career. They had had Malachi Goodman and Hagman come in as draft picks along with Grady Jarrett. Grady was the one who obviously stuck. Uh, and uh, but that that was a pretty pretty good group there. But they had a mixture of young players and some veterans that they had brought in. They brought in Claiborne. They brought in Freeney. They brought in Jackson, and that made that defensive line really really productive. They had along with the fifteen and a half sacks that that uh, Beasley had. Claiborne had four and a half. Grady Jarrett had three. Freeney three, and then um, Rashad. Rashid Hageman rather had two, and uh, then uh, Brooks Reed and Trufant both had two themselves. So anyway, I just thought I'd take a look at the uh, Super Bowl year to see what that defense was like. And I'd forgotten that Tyson Jackson and Brooks Reed were pretty significant signings. I remember sitting there that day watching them happen, and we had to kind of look up Brooks Reed, but we knew who Tyson Jackson was. Yeah, yeah, we did. And 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 like you said, I think that's kind of where this organization is now where they can make moves like that. I mean, obviously not the Brooks Reed type move, but you know, mm-hmm. guys that are going to work where I mean, Lorenzo Carter, I think it, when you talk about like a rotational piece, a guy that can start a couple mm-hmm. games if somebody gets injured, give somebody a rest, if there's a long drive, you know, you you've got him, you've got some younger players you can mix in, you can go get a heavyweight or a heavy hitter if you will in free agency maybe for the interior like a Hargrove, and, you know, all of a sudden you, you have the makings of a team that can get after the quarterback. And and, and I thought, you know, the, the Falcons defensively the last couple of years have, haven't been terrible. Uh, I, I think they've done a good job of not giving up too many explosive plays, but and you got to be able to sack the quarterback in this league, and, and they just haven't been able to do that. Well, we, we saw with the two Super Bowl teams this year Philadelphia and Kansas City. It was so funny when I was sitting there uh, on the weekend of the conference championship games. I was looking up sack leaders, and it was the it was the two teams that actually won those those games um, uh, in the championship games that went on to meet the Super Bowl. Those were the two leaders in sacks, and and you know I'm I'm sure every time two teams were the leader in sacks, you you can't feel like they're destined or going to the Super Bowl every single year, sure does help. Got to help. It's got to help the, the situation. It's got to help. And that's why that line of scrimmage on both sides, the lines of scrimmage are going to be so crucial for the Falcons. And I'm just excited to have a chance to fix it. And, man, Jaden Hargrave, if they get him, again, the possibility of pairing him with Grady Jarrett would be remarkable considering the guys – and. Grady Jarrett would never come out and say that, but you know we just went over some of the players who he's had by him, Taquan Graham, you know those kind of guys, decent players, not bad, but there's not the ones that are going to command attention. Atlanta needs some attention getters on defense, mm-hmm. and you know what, Bates and Hargrave, Russ, even if it's just those two, which it won't be, it'll be more than that. But man, if those two don't get your attention, who the hell will? Yeah, no, that's – and I think they're doing – if you think about the teams they're coming from, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a twofold strategy because we hear a lot of talk about having a quarterback on that rookie deal, and, and that they're, they're, that is very real. I'm not trying to poo-poo that. But if you think about where yeah. Bates and Hargrove would be coming from, 
would be coming from teams with quarterbacks on a rookie deal that are about to have to pay those quarterbacks, which means they're going to have to, in, in turn, let some really talented players go that they would otherwise want to resign. So that's the, the, when you're in the free agent market, that's kind of where you're looking are, are guys that are going to be let go because the team has hit on a franchise quarterback and they're about to have to pay them. Yep, happens every time. And before the Falcons hit on their quarterback and have to pay that big salary, that was the big reason why I don't think any of us were – and the Falcons included were very interested in in Lamar Jackson. Okay, how are you going to pay him and still be in that mode where you can add enough players around him? Maybe we, look, we saw this team last year go to the Dollar General to shop for talent, and it wasn't very good talent. I mean, they yes, they played hard, they won seven games, but that still was not the best roster in the history of the world. And and uh, they were seven and ten, so that was not. That was not very good. I know pe- people thought it was good because we thought they may win three games. Well, seven and ten still not very good. Um, ten and seven wouldn't be very good. I think they can be a ten win team moving forward here, but still, it's um, we we want that team to get back up to twelve, thirteen wins and and be in that in that top echelon of the conference. The the world is their oyster with that possibility because of how the AFC has has gotten to a new level with these quarterbacks, and NFC's just not there right now. So it's like, who's going to be at the top of the NFC moving forward? Well, Green Bay's going through a transition. They're going to go to Jordan Love. Looks like that that Aaron Rodgers is going to move on. Chicago's a team trying to build, obviously, with a lot of cap room, more cap room even than the Falcons. We'll see if Justin Fields is their guy. They're obviously going to add some defense uh, in the first round, whether they pick first or third or fourth. And, uh, you know, you have a team like Detroit that's on the rise, but they're, I don't think, not at that level yet. They're kind of in the same boat as Atlanta, trying to add some players to get to that next level. You know, Minnesota's got a 34-year-old quarterback in Kirk Cousins. They may be trying for one last hoorah with him before he's a little too old, but yet they're sitting there having to possibly get rid of one of their top defensive players who just asked out. You know, NFC South, we've gone over that. NFC West, I mean, there's no question that San Francisco has proven that they are a, a very good organization right now. But what's their quarterback situation? Uh, do they go with Lance? Can they go with Lance until Purdy gets back uh, healthy after the, the Tommy John surgery? Seattle bringing back Geno, but what's 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 around him? How is that going to be around him? Is that the right move to bring Geno back? And obviously they're going to have the fifth overall pick in the draft. Um, you know, you've got the Rams who seem to be in transition. They came out and said today, Les Snead, their general manager, came out and said today they're not going to trade Matthew Stafford or Aaron Donald or, or any one of that ilk. So we'll see how they try to put together a team after a very disappointing season. You know, you've got those NFC East teams, and, you know, I guess, Russ, for the 30th season in a row, people are going to think Dallas is going to be special. <laughs> I almost scoff at that, and it's like I'll I'll believe that when I actually see it. Yeah, I, I agree. No, I, I'm not sure. I'm 100% sold on Dak Prescott, you know. And yep. So that and, – and, you know, it's – it's the Cowboys. They have a huge fan base, so they're, they're going to get a lot of talk. But I don't see Philadelphia going backwards. Um, no. You know, San Francisco has some, some question marks with their quarterback situation. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think Philly's going to be the favorite. But, yeah, the Cowboys will get some love. And then, um, you, know, we'll, you know, we'll see 
with the other teams, I think the NFC is a lot more wide open than the AFC, and that's another good thing going for the Falcons. You know, yeah. you're not trying to keep up with Buffalo and Cincinnati and Kansas mm-hmm. City and and all that. You know, you're chasing really Philadelphia right now. I mean, I'm yeah. not. I think you have to leave San Francisco in that conversation, but I would put Philadelphia ahead of them uh, simply because of Jalen Hurts. But yeah, it's 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 not the 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 NFC is not the dominant conference right now. That's for sure. Not at all, but but look, I just want the Falcons to get into that conversation with Philadelphia mm-hmm. and San Fran, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just get them up there and get them to where they can compete with those teams. And because I'm with you, I mean, it's, it's I just went through most of the NFC and Philadelphia to me now. You know, I stopped because Russ, look, they could possibly be go, going through a big change here on their defense with. Hargrave and Cox, and then their quarterback James Bradbury leaving. You know what? What's that going to be like? How 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 much better are they going to be, or are they going to be as good as they were last year with some obvious changes on defense because of that contract they're getting ready to have to give Jalen Hurts? Yeah. Now their their window is is definitely uh, going to start to close here pretty soon. I you know and you can. I mean, if you make the right decisions, like, for example, if, if, with Hargrove hitting the free agent market and not paying him, I think you can keep it open a little bit longer like the Chiefs have with Patrick Mahomes. But, I mean, you look mm-hmm. at Kansas City, his cap hit's about to go from 39 to 49 – or, I'm sorry, 35 to 49. Uh, so they're going to have to start having a hard time with that. And, and, it's, and, and that means – basically what it means is if the Falcons are doing the, the things the right way right now, that they can definitely – propel themselves in a position where they're one of the favorites in the NFC two or three years down the road. And that's the that's the, the downside of the NFL is that the window closes really quickly. The good side is it can open up again pretty quick as well. So it's just – but now's the time. you got to hit on these free agents in the 2023 offseason to make that happen. Well, and I'll say this, Russ. We, we, we've said all this without saying Desmond Ritter's name very much. If Desmond Ritter is the guy for this team, and they don't have to change course and go find another quarterback. If they give him the chance in 2023 and they move forward and they get the sh- ch- a shot to move forward with him and he's the guy and he proves it, then that's going to be a tremendous benefit for them trying to get to that level in the NFC because, I, I mean, there just seems to be a lot of teams in transition right now that don't have that fear factor, for lack of a better term, with the exception of Philadelphia, to, to make you really believe that the Falcons can't, with a better roster, get in that spot. Uh, I mean, you know, Green Bay's always up there, but are they going to be always up there now that Aaron Rodgers looks to be leaving? Well, I don't know. I, don't, I have no clue. You know, there are some teams like Chicago and Detroit that look like Atlanta that could be on the rise with decent acquisitions, but it's as big a question mark as we're going to have, wondering if the Falcons – Moves are going to be as productive and 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 good as they need to be. So, um, but it it is much better to be in that NFC compared to AFC. You got to have almost an elite roster compete to compete right now, and that I mean I think Buffalo probably roster wise Russ has had it, mm-hmm. but they haven't been able to still get over that hump, and that shows you how tough that that conference is right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about it, and and look, it's it's. It's hitting on quarterbacks in the draft, uh, which yep. you know, which is what we're hoping the Falcons have done with Desmond Ritter. Uh, you know, Kansas City found a franchise guy. Cincinnati got a franchise guy. Josh Allen got a franchise guy. 
you know, a lot of people continue to ask the questions, why are Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, you know, so high in these mock drafts? Because if they pan out with their size and strength and ability, then you've got a franchise quarterback. They've got the potential and the, the, the measurables to be that. And do they have it upstairs? Do you know, that remains to be seen. But, yeah, the, the, those teams in the AFC have done a really good job through the draft and, and finding the right quarterbacks. There's no question about it. By the way, the compensatory picks were handed out today, and Atlanta did not get one. San Francisco actually got three, three third-round picks. Um, looking at third-rounders, Arizona got one, Washington, Cleveland, Kansas City, and three for San Francisco. Fourth-round pick goes to New England as a compensatory pick. And uh, there you go. So that kind of adds the drama of the draft with some additional picks being there. And, man, three third-rounders for the 49ers, that's, that's pretty good. That's, a, that's a, uh, another opportunity for them. And, you know, they're, they could be, they're, they're kind of like Atlanta, and I know they've been at that a little higher level than the Falcons. But from a talent perspective, they, I think, are up there. They just you can't ignore the question about the quarterback now. If Brock Purdy, if Brock had not been hurt in that game, Russ, we probably would have them side by side with Philadelphia, wouldn't we? I think so. Or if, and even if it, or even if we knew that Trey Lance was going to be completely healthy and and we're sold on him, you know, it's just mm-hmm. that when you've got uncertainty at that quarterback position, it's just hard to. It's hard for me to say, well, yeah, well, that team's going to be, you know, right back where they were a season ago because I think. Purdy's going to be out most of the year, right? With yeah, that, you know. I I don't. I, we don't see quarterbacks come back from Tommy John very often, like in baseball. But Russ, I just I can't imagine because of the potential hits that you're going to take for them to throw him out there that quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, that would surprise me. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a little while, and that's again, you know, look, they've they've done it with Jimmy Garoppolo. They've done it with. With uh, Brock Purdy, uh, so it's you know I'm not going to say it's impossible, but again, it just when you don't have that franchise quarterback, that that that's tough. No question. All right, four seven eight six four six three seven seven six. That is our number. We're just sitting around talking a little football. We can talk a little spring football too. We may do that when we return. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Anything you want to talk about? Braves, Hawks, college basketball. We're a couple of days from learning the tournament field of, what, is it 68, I guess now? Not, not uh, 64 anymore, right? Yep. It's, it's, it's 68, right? 68. And there's some people that wanted to go up to like 136, so buckle up. <laughs> Georgia basketball fans. State of <laughs> Georgia basketball fans wanted to go. I guess we got to cheer for the Owls next week, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not, you know, I will know what time, what day and what time. On Sunday evening, but yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm 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 all in on the Owls. That's right. Uh, uh, me too. I'm excited about it. I'm, I am. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, come back again. Four seven eight six four six three seven seven six. Back with more right after this. <laughs> That's all we're talking about is sports here on the show. 523 on this Thursday. Thank you very much for being with us. Let's get to a phone call. 478-646-ESPN. Joe is in Waycross. Hello, Joe. Hey, Bill. Yes, hey, sir. Hey, How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm doing just fine, Bill. Hey, uh, 
I, I, I'd wonder if you and Russ had completely pull your hair out. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if Jalen Carter falls to 26, Cowboys would take him. <laughs> <laughs> you think so? Uh, I, well, I tell you, that's going to be one of the – questions how far will Jalen fall it's hard to believe we're talking about that because I Joe I think he may be the best talent in the draft and, and, and he is Bill uh, I I mean I hope he gets all his issues worked out but it, it if he's still there at 26 yeah yeah come on uh, he looked <laughs> real good with a star on his helmet <laughs> yeah well whoever gets him is going to get a great great talent I, I don't have any doubt about that I think these teams are going to have to go through the. They're going to have to go through the interview process. They're going to have to talk with him. They're going to have to be comfortable with what he says to those questions. But I don't think there's any question that the talents there and the ability for him to be a a signature player. I mean, every time I talk about him, Joe, in that light, I just think about him picking up that LSU kid like he was a a fourth grader. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Lo- love the show, Bill. Y'all keep up the good work. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Joe. You know, that that, that obviously is going to be a question, Russ, and we always have that, um, oh, the Cowboys took that Randy kid, Randy Gregory. Mm-hmm. Yep. Remember him a couple years ago that, that he was like the, the player with the questionable off-field issues. I can't remember what his were, but he had something that – that uh, boy, the Falcons were even linked to him there for a while, and 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 Dallas got him, and and there's always that one player it seems that has that that question mark for whatever reason, and and you know sometimes it's a quarterback. I mean, um, um, uh, the kid from A and M, what's his name? Oh, Johnny Manziel. Johnny Manziel was it was it right? It's like mm-hmm. okay, who is? Who is going to finally bite the bullet and take a chance on Johnny Manziel? And there's always someone like that that um, is is that guy who who might fall a little bit. And you know, it's going to be one of the questions on day one of the draft, no question. Yeah, there always seems to be one. And I think you know, in Jalen Carter and and for the teams, it's going to have to be. You know, it's almost like a sliding scale. You know, at what point? Is the the gap between Jalen and the player you would take instead just get too wide to 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 not you know to not take him, and you know I think that a lot of the mock drafts right after it, it the news came out there were there were a few that had him fifth to Seattle, which and I, and I think if if it if the story stays where it is right now I think that's probably the likely spot for him, uh, unless the Seahawks want to take a flyer on one of the quarterbacks. Uh, but and then twelve is the other spot I've seen him linked to a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a big storyline though, as we see who will it really wants to take a shot at him and and uh, you know, look, I have to admit, if if number eight comes up for the Falcons and if Jalen Carter's not been taken yet, again, I think that. The Falcons are going to get a defensive player at that position next week. So, I mean, do you think that would just totally clear our minds of a potential 
Jalen Carter selection if they do get a Hargrave or someone like that next week, Russ? I think for most people it will, but I, I think there are some people out there that if they don't come out of this draft with seven Georgia Bulldogs, they're just going to be disappointed no matter <laughs> what. So, But you know, the, the other part of the equation is we've heard Terry Fontenot talk about best player available. Mm-hmm. And and if even if you get a Hargrave and you could have had a Jalen Carter, you, you know that at least that thought process is going to be there right of well is he the best player available at eight well he probably is but do you still take him and man it i think it would still be tempted russ because look at what that line could be in yeah. that regard My oh God. sure sure I, I i mean i almost think it's to a point and again there was you know when the news came out you know last week there's today and we're still over a month away from the draft so you know they're going to be able to really talk this thing through and and like I said, if nothing else comes out, I think you could essentially talk yourself into it if you're a general manager, as opposed to trying to talk yourself out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think it's almost to a point where if that scenario played out, I wonder. I know Terry Fontenot would be asked about it, but would they feel comfortable just flat out saying, "Look, we there were too many question marks for us. We just didn't feel comfortable taking yeah. him." Because I mean, because that's the only way you could justify it if if you're right. best player available. And you've got to respect that, right? Absolutely. If, if- if a team has that interview and feels that, you know, whether it was leaving the teammate and leaving the scene or whatever, wh- whatever they may feel, uh, you have to respect that because they're able to get answers to those questions that we probably won't. We we, we could, you know, ask questions all day long and, and not get those type of answers from him, but uh, a team is going to have a chance to uh, – uh, to ask what he was thinking and so forth. It's still hard for me to think, though, Russ. Last week on Tuesday, here we were talking about, oh, my God, move up, move up to three. If the quarterbacks are going to be run there, move up to three, move up to four. Somehow, you know, could he go to five? Could you fall up to or move up to five and get him to pair him with, with uh, Grady? And now – we're wondering where he's going to go. It's, I mean, that's typical of the draft. It happens every year. It's just unfortunately happened to Jalen Carter because of what happened. Back to the phones we go. Kirkland in Macon. Hello, sir. Hey, how you guys doing today? We're doing good. I got a, a little scenario, you know, somewhat. Since they put a non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson, he can negotiate with other teams and stuff. Hey, just imagine them. I, I love Desmond Ritter, man. Don't get me wrong. I want to see him succeed. But, but getting Lamar Jackson is, is a dream come true. I mean, it's kind of like a like a dream almost in a sense. But and I, and I, the reason why I say that because I, I reason why I think we should get Lamar Jackson to try him out because that, that'd be great anyway. But I think the, the Falcons' main job needs to be redeeming themselves in the Super Bowl. Because until we win a Super Bowl, Bill, I don't know if I'm right or not, but until we win a Super Bowl. It's gonna be hard to get past all this stuff, wouldn't you think? Because yeah, but we we've said that for <laughs> fifty-seven years. They've been they've been in the NFL for fifty-seven years. We said that after the Cowboys game in January fourth from nineteen eighty-one. We we said that after they lost the Super Bowl in January of ninety-nine, and then January of two thousand seven or February of two thousand seventeen when they lost. It's like yeah, we. We, all of that will kind of clear up, just like when Georgia won the national championship the first year. 
you know, all the angst that we had gone through for 41 years kind of dissipated because they had won. They had wiped it clean. For those of us lucky enough to still be here, it, it, it made it easier to, to take all those disappointments they had had. And sure, I just pray to God in my, let's see, I'm 52.9, Kirkland. I'm hoping I have 40 good years left. Can they win it in the next 40 years to clear up all the decades of angst I've had for this organization? I think they can if they can do it because <laughs> that game took so much out of us, though, man. I'm sure you can attest to this, too, Bill and Russ, but that game oh, took yeah. a lot out of us mentally and physically. I mean, because I was pretty much basically in the fourth quarter because I was my laughing and giggling it up because I thought we were going to blow them out. I was on suicide watching the fourth quarter, man. <laughs> Somebody had to come check on me, man. I mean, until that happens, that, that, I think that's what – People are looking for the Lamar Jackson. For that's why we're so excited if we got a chance to get him. And I hear Russ talking about it a lot of times, but um, that's pretty much it for me, man. I, mean, I, don't, I don't see no other scenario for the Falcons being played out. Uh, I think we lost Bill there. Yeah. Well, the I know the 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 thing about Lamar Jackson is I know the Falcons said. They've already come out and said that, you know, they're not going to pursue him. Uh, and we talked about this. It's kind of to Kirkland's point. It, it would bring hope to this team uh, instantly, which is not something the Atlanta Falcons have had a lot of uh, in, in the past few years. Uh, you know, but I, I think there, it, it sounds like this organization is going to continue to try to build on, you know, what they've done in the draft over the past two seasons. It's just – and and I think the the situation here is it's not the player, it's the cost. You're going to have to give up uh, two first round draft picks. You know, so all this talk that we we have about the number eight pick, you can forget that they won't have that pick. And you know, I I think it, Lamar Jackson is going to try to get maybe a little bit more than what Daniel Jones just got at forty some odd million dollars. So I know the the exclusive tag price is thirty. I think it's thirty two point four million dollars. But when Lamar Jackson goes out to try to negotiate a, a, another contract, he's not going to be negotiating for $32.4 million a year. I mean, if you could get Lamar Jackson at that, I think there would be a lot more teams in the mix for him. I don't think there would be any doubt about it. Uh, but, you know, it's just it, all the cap space. And really, I, I mean, if you just kind of um, go through and, and, and think about all the 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 talk that we've had today about – what they could do in free agency and then spinning that into what happens in the draft. And, you know, all the, all of this conversation goes right out the window if you make a move like that. Um, so that, that's why they're not going to go after him. Um, and uh, Kirkland's still on the line with us. I mean, I know patience isn't something fans like to talk about, Kirkland, but, but that's, I think that's where we're at with the Lamar Jackson situation in the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, Russ, we've been let down so much in Atlanta and stuff, man. To get somebody of that caliber as a player, I know it's gonna be kind of costly. I go like ninety million dollars for like two years. <laughs> I, I think he might go. He might go for that. You know what I'm saying? So, Is he gonna uh, just throw the ball up and go catch it himself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make Desmond Ritter wide receiver. Uh, oh, okay. There you go. There you go. I yeah, think. But I understand. Though, I understand, and we we need to keep us on the same trail that we're on, the same building that we're on, but. It, it, just to think about that and that fantasy about having Lamar Jackson the way the kind of player he is, that's kind of where I'm at. And the mailman will still deliver, and the legend will continue with Stetson Bennett the fourth. All right, Kirkland. Sorry, I 
I uh, put it out there. I don't know what happened, but I'm back now. No, I, look, I understand the fact that there is a tremendous talent available and that the Atlanta Falcons do not have a stable quarterback situation like they had for 14 years with Matt Ryan. It is in, instable comparatively, not knowing if if Desmond's going to be the guy, and therefore it's tempting. But just what you'd have to give up and what you'd have to pay and how much of the cap room you'd have to eat up. It's um, And, look, the cap room's getting ready to go up significantly because of the TV deals, but they're, I just don't think they're there yet. I think the timing's a little off for that to be a realistic option. Sean and Cordell, how you doing, sir? I'm good, Bill. How are you? I'm good. Good to hear from you. Good to be Good to be heard. Yes, sir. Um, something I heard earlier today, he had till week 10 to, you know, keep talking to teams about, about getting a deal. Say that again. It goes away soon. Say that one more time. He had till week 10 to talk to teams about getting a deal. Lamar? Yeah. Hmm. So, my, so if a team... Has an injured quarterback, and they want to move on, or a team like the Falcons is not happy with the performance yeah. of their young quarterback. They can still make a move. Well, I mean, if that's the case, and that's that's going to be something that's going to continue to be an option. I I think I think the biggest deterrent, and I was listening to uh, Dana Rossini this morning on ESPN. She's the one that reported right off the bat yesterday when or Tuesday when Lamar was. Um, uh, designated by the Ravens that Atlanta would not be interested. And and she said, look, I, you know, I reached out to some teams who had some um, questions at quarterback. Atlanta was the first one that answered. And therefore, I think, to me, that means that this team is ready to spend some money on quantity of free agents. Because, Sean, they've got to they've rebuild this roster. I mean, when you when you have a year like they had last year, when you had – a bunch of Dollar General players out there with all that dead money. You got to get some talent on this roster, man. Yeah, just like last year, it didn't make sense for Deshaun Watson. And the sad thing about it was they were spending to do it, but the Browns didn't. I know. Only up, I mean, Deshaun Watson would be on the team today, and we would lose draft capital and probably a couple players. So no, we would not be talking as much about the NFL draft if that was the case. You're right. There's no question about it. I still don't trust this team, you know. And ever since they took Schaefer over, failure. You know, that's another. Issue. Yeah. Another day. Well, but. you know they 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 have a lot of. I I don't see how they can terribly disappoint us here because, you know, they're not going to go out and get a bunch of mediocre talent with the ability to spend some money here. You know, they they've got the ability to get a a, a Hargrave, and he's an outstanding player. Or he had an outstanding year last year. He would I think it would be a great addition to the Atlanta Falcons defensive line. So, But if it's not him, I think there are other candidates that they can turn to 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 make this team better. I mean, again, we've got to get past the Taquan Grahams that are out there trying to play right next to Grady Jarrett. It didn't work. Yeah, yeah we got to um, just keep rid of for a year. Got to give him a whole year and yep. see how it goes. Don't don't waste the third-round pick. Right. You're right. Now, you know, that's another great point because, look, um, they drafted this kid in the third round, 
they had to feel that, okay, of all the quarterbacks not at the top, but all the quarterbacks that we could select, uh, and they could have taken Kenny Pickett, right? They could have taken him at eight if they had wanted to. He fell to the Steelers there in the 20s. But they they felt Kenny Pickett was someone they could take a shot at. And knowing that Marcus Mariota was going to be – or that type of quarterback was going to be it for 2023, I, I mean, I think they had to feel that Desmond Ritter was going to get a great shot shot to try to be their starter. And he he, he deserves that. And, Bill, I got another um, something to talk about. Okay. signing Derek Carr. How are they, they getting this money from I don't know. The, the only thing I read, because I was all, all under the impression that they were desperately under the salary cap, I mean, rather over the salary cap, I should say, was that they did something with that contract to, I think, Carr got, was it $50 million up front, Russ? I think, yeah. I was, something yeah. unbelievable up front that kind of spread it out to where this year would not be that much of a – I think it's like a $13 million cap hit for 2023 or something like that. That um, I mean, I'm sure they're going to release some players. Well, they have released some players. I mean, that's the only reason I know. They restructured it and gave him a lot of guaranteed money that allowed him to uh, to sign with them. Yeah, I know Michael Thomas, he's owed like $80 million in the next two years. Yeah, and they're trying to renegotiate with him, I believe, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, receivers and big, big paydays and wide receivers work out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, the Chris Olave is their guy now, so you know they're they're um, yeah. They're, I, I read today where they're trying to get Thomas renegotiated, probably to loosen up some money. So I don't know. I mean, that was the first thing I thought of when uh, these car rumors started. First, they were going to trade for him, and then even after he was released, it was like, well, the Saints look like they're the team to beat for him it's like well how but evidently that was it they structured it where he got a lot of money up front and and that uh made it made it made him slide in there yeah bill i've I've pulled it up on on sport track here his cap hit this year is 7.2 million dollars the way they did it it'll go up to 35 7 next year and 45 7 the year after that there you go so they 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 uh they did it where they could kind of backload the cap hit and i guess the guaranteed money up front was what made that happen and Bill, you can pencil me in on the Darnell Washington eight draft pick. You take him. I take him. The way the way he likes the way our head coach likes to run the ball, and to compliment him with Pitts in London. I mean, is it a reach? Yeah. Does it? But does it, is it a reach for you though? It's not. I don't think it's a reach for the Falcons. Well. You know what? I, I let me answer that after free agency. I mean, I don't know about after free agency. Let me see what they do in free agency. Look, they have a tremendous amount of money available. We need to remember that. I mean, they even after the Carter deal, they still have a ton of money. Uh, you know, could they get an offensive lineman that would make me say, okay, don't worry about Broderick Jones or Peter Skronsky. Pick Darnell Washington, possibly. You know, they could do that. Um, I'm not going to rule it out. I think it's more likely they would have to trade into the middle to late first round to get a second first round pick. But man, I no. Look, I have we've talked about that this week. And <laughs> if the Falcons don't trade up into the second round or from the second round to get him, or if they don't take him at eight, I hope the Jaguars take him at like 24 because I I I just think a team that already has a tight end. 
like Jacksonville with Ingram, like Atlanta with Pitts, like Kansas City or San Francisco or someone like that, get that guy and and just peer onto the field and see how much length you have because it would be ridiculous. And so, yeah, he's tempting to me, no question. Yeah. I mean, you could – teams would take Ronkowski at eight you know, if they knew what they, how it was going to yep. play out. Yeah. I think I think the only problem people would have, even about Darnell going at eight, is okay. That means you've taken for your last three first rounders, four, eight, and eight. You've taken two tight ends and a wide receiver. And now it may not matter if they get the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman they need, Sean. But um, we'll see. Well, uh, let's let's see what they get in free agency first. Yeah, nothing against Nolan Smith, but I I, I, just, I don't think we need pass rusher at eight. Not, not well, I hope we get pass rushers next week. I do. I hope we get pass rushers next. I, I like Nolan. I think I'm more comfortable with Darnell at eight than Nolan at eight. I don't. I don't. I don't know if Nolan is the eighth best player in this draft. I know Nolan had a great combine. I don't know if I can justify Nolan being the eighth best player in this draft. That worries me a little bit. Especially Jalen Carter, there, like my shape, like big shape. Yeah, I, he has to drop Carter anyway to back up his other story well look you're right you're right about that but if if Jaden Carter is on the board and they take Nolan Smith at eight I probably won't be too happy uh, no, I start buying my taxes at the Jaguar here <laughs> I, I get it all right Sean thank you very much 478-646-ESPN again I get the questions with Jalen but man alive you just it's hard to pass up on that kind of talent. It's difficult. It's not easy. We'll take a break. Back with more phone calls right after this. Welcome back to our show. Thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it. So earlier today, our man uh, J-Rad sent me a picture that someone had uh, made. This is a 18 by 24 lithograph to our customers and followers. We're offering this a special rate. This piece commemorates the 30-year anniversary of Sid's slide, signed by Sid, the artist and the photographer. And in the picture, it shows Sid Bream being called safe when he was really out. So J-Rad sent me that picture, and um, then I responded. And uh, even the even the George Autographs guy said, thank God for no replay in 1992. Hello. And then Chase increased the size of the picture to show me Sid's foot, which, Russ, is not on the plate and is above the plate, not even touching the plate. Yeah, I, I saw that photo earlier. I think we need to get an eye doctor on down in South Georgia to help you out a little bit. <laughs> Mike Lavalier's hand is right there on the heel of the foot, and Sid's foot is above the plate. So Skip and I have been have been right all along. So, so the funny part about this is so these guys were putting these pictures – on my Twitter account, and then I, I had to call someone about business today in Savannah. And he listens to the show, and I was very grateful that Jody listens to the show. 
And then he said, then the conversation, Russ, not knowing what was on my Twitter account, two hours before our phone conversation, hey, Bill, by the way, Sid was safe. <laughs> well, he was. I'm, so I'm spark, I've sparked a controversy now with my, my opinions of Sid Bream's slide. <laughs> well, I mean, we all know, look, if Mike LaValliere was the average size of a human being, 5'7 or 5'8, you know. Sid would have been out, but I mean, he was five, what, five, two, five, three. I think he looks kind of like Bryce Young sliding back there. <laughs> trying to tag, uh, was, was Woody Harrelson's dad the umpire? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I tell you, it's, uh, it's funny. You know, the, the funny thing about that truly is that if they had replay then and Jimmy Leland said, yeah, let's replay it, how would they have gotten everybody off the field? That's a well, you know, that's 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 a great question. Uh, I think that happened once in a hockey overtime, but I don't know that it's ever happened in a walk off moment in any other sport. That that is a great question. I mean, they would just have to I mean I mean the umpires would just have to make a signal and I guess eventually everybody would, would see that they're you know, they're going to the headset. Um Yeah, I mean, that that'd be a mess. The game would have still been tied. And they would have gone into extra innings, of course. No, they never would have overturned the call because there's not enough evidence. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true because they would have affirmed the call, right? They wouldn't have tried to get it right. They would have affirmed the call. Exactly. ridiculous. What are we talking about? It's the Braves. Replay never goes our way. (laughs) You're right about that. It seems like that's the truth. It seems to always be a a problem there. But, yeah, that – it's uh, that's not as bad as some of the calls that have been made. That call in the World Series between Kansas City and St. Louis back in 1985, which gave Kansas City basically the World Series, and St. Louis probably should have won it, which would have been their second in four years, because they won in '82 against the Brewers, and and uh, then Don Dinkinger made a really bad call at first base that cost. St. Louis tremendously, and and uh, that's one of the plays that has always been talked about of why replay was needed, because that turned that World Series. And Lord, can you imagine, um, you know, if that Braves play had gone to a replay and they would have overturned it or something like that? Or it's crazy, crazy to think about. But anyway, hopefully nothing like that will happen when there is a. Uh, play at the end of a game on a walk-off because that would be unbelievable of having to get the people and the players and the fans off the field and not have the umpires hurt. Unless it was C.P. Buckner or Angel Hernandez. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. <laughs> 